just chit chat. Um, well, hello. You're listening to a pastor in his newspaper with Dr. Castro podcast, helping you read the news with the Bible in your hand. I am Dr. Castro, and I am with another pastor uh, here. We are uh, uh, we work here at Central Church uh, together. Uh, introduce yourself, Derek. I'm Derek, uh, Derek McFarlane. I am uh, also a pastor here at uh, Central Church, ready to ready to talk about it. Yeah, so Derek does our, our youth ministry. He's our youth pastor and, and is a fellow uh, sports fan, one of the few here at Central Church amongst the pastors. I think that was his concern when uh, I got hired. is like, do you like sports? Because nobody else does. I'm like, quickly said, I very much like sports. Uh, and we both love college football. Yeah, they like the wrong sports. Yeah, what's it, what is Shackelford's sport of choice? I don't know. I think this would be football. Football? Yeah. Do you think he's just, uh, he, 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 he'll, he can talk football because it knows it's a very important <laughs> subject amongst southern people? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> his his team is LSU, which oh. both of us don't particularly like. You more than me. Yeah. Uh, who is your team? So I'm from Alabama. Um, so I am definitely an Alabama Crimson Tide fan. Um, however, my wife is a big Auburn fan. Ah. Uh, so you're a divided house. We are a divided house, and uh, unusually enough, she is definitely one of those. Um, ladies who really really enjoy football so it's not just by like affiliation only she actually genuinely is a devout fan that's good yeah (laughs) i think that's more important than the uh the wife who kind of rolls her eyes Mm -hmm. Uh, i would definitely prefer the banter than the rolling of the eyes so yeah my wife is she's a casual she knows I care about UT especially. We both went to the University of Tennessee, which is big big rivals between Alabama, has been for a long time, and actually have played each other more often than Auburn. Yeah. Uh, historically. Um, but uh, but we're gonna the reason why Derek is here is number one, uh, we're gonna be talking about college sports because uh, the last week um, Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher, the coach of Texas A&M, have been in the news. I've uh, been in the newspaper, um, and and so as being a topic of enjoyment for me, it's easier for me to talk about college sports than say the stock market, which I talked about a few weeks ago, where I even said this is not really an issue that I'm really good at talking about. I don't really feel comfortable with the terminology. I have no problems talking about sports uh, and especially college football. I find, I don't know if this is true in your ministry, do you tend to kind of gravitate towards sports analogies? I do. Um, there, was a, there was a moment, though, several years ago that I realized that I probably gravitated a little too, too, much. too much. So I've tried to scale it back, but, I mean, it's... I love them. So a lot of my illustrations and analogies are sports-based. Okay. They don't always land, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it really does work with men, though. If, yeah. you can, if you can find a sports, or especially a football analogy, it usually, oh, they understand quite quickly. <laughs> so um, we call this, uh, in the college football world, silly season. Um, and the reason why we call it silly season is because there's no football going on. It's just silly, silly talk. Um, most of this is like sports radio uh, personalities trying to fill the hours with college football content when there is no football to talk about. No games to review, no games to digest, just kind of 
silly season. Well, we had a kind of a, a high mark, and silly season was, uh, and this was in Birmingham, right? Nick it was. Nick yeah, Saban yeah, was like a, um, a leaders leaders camp or leaders retreat in Birmingham. Um, and Saban was in a, I guess he was like in a in an interview style. It wasn't like he was given like a talk or a lecture or anything like that. No. And I don't even know what led into, I guess he didn't, and Saban didn't even know he was going to, this was going to be publicized, which I think that's a little bit of a, uh, uh, a failure on his part. Everything oh. is videotaped. Everything is recorded. But so this was last Wednesday. Um, he, in a response to, I don't know if it was a question from someone in the audience, um, he just kind of went into a rant, which he tends to do at times, yes. with, uh, and which you didn't bring your Coca-Cola to. Uh, oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> I wonder if Saban actually drinks Coca-Cola. Or he's just, uh, I know, I understand it's, a, it's, a, it's an advertisement that yeah. Alabama I've never gets paid. I've actually seen him grab it. Though. Grab it and drink it. Yeah. Uh, so he went in this rant talking about Jimbo Fisher, who used to work for him when he was a coach at LSU. Jimbo was the offensive coordinator before he left for Florida State. Um, Won a national championship together. They did. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm going to make my years right. 2002 or 2003, one of those years. I know I was in college um, when they won the national championship. Um, and so now Fisher, you know, he makes a ton of money at AM and they beat Alabama this past year. But the biggest news was is that Texas AM had the number one recruiting class in the nation. And so <laughs> Saban went on this kind of rant that basically, I'm just going to read this quote We didn't buy one player. All right. You got to do the all rights. But I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. And then he says that basically A&M bought their their recruiting class. Yes. And number one, what were your kind of thoughts when you heard that he kind of went after A&M? I mean, I think, you know, just as a fan – like you automatically go, oh, this is gonna, this is gonna blow up. Like this is gonna backfire. Just especially, you know, Jimbo comes back with a, a much more heated. Um, yeah, we'll get response. into that one. Yeah, yeah. But like there was a little bit of, of truth in what Jimbo was saying. Like Saban is often viewed as the, the, you know, the voice of college football just because he's had such a sustained success for such a long time. Like his words carry a lot of weight. Right. And so anytime like he uh, he. Because he's done this before. You remember in, I think it was 2013, when the offenses were kind of like yeah. changing. I remember. You remember he was like, well, you know, how are we going to, you know, keep up with the integrity of the sport? Like this this Gus Malzahn, this really fast-paced offense. And then, like, the whole time he's complaining, he's, he's adapting. hiring Lane yeah. Kiffin. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? um, and so he's complained before, and, you know, as a fan, you remember how much of a controversy that was, and now he's tying a specific school and a specific coach to uh, allegations of of paying their players, mm-hmm. and so instantly you just you look in horror because you're like, oh no, this is this is gonna <laughs> this is gonna be <laughs> like, this is gonna be a big deal. And the biggest the biggest topic that kind of is involved in this is that uh, now, if you're not familiar, why this is an issue, like, well, why is 
a disagreement between two football coaches, college football coaches in the SEC. Why is that on the in the Wall Street Journal multiple days? I'm when I say it was in the Wall Street Journal, I'm saying it was in the Wall Street Journal Thursday, Friday, and then on the weekend paper on Saturday. So like, like why, why, what does it have to do? There's no football games going on. It's something that is new in sports, college sports, name, image, likeness, or what is now kind of NIL. And this was something that happened recently that the uh, Supreme Court ruled uh, against the NCAA that players, college college athletes, should be able to um, make money off of their name, their image, and their likeness. Um, so in a sense, a business could basically play a player to be in an advertisement, um, be on a radio uh, radio uh, commercial, whatever, and or they could just give them money yeah. and say they're a sponsored athlete of this dealership or whatever, whatever, yeah. and they can make that get make that money and receive that money, and it's purely legal. It used to be illegal, now it's now it's legal. So what Saban is speaking against is really i mean fisher didn't do anything wrong yeah i mean they didn't in some ways they didn't do some of shady deals with i'm going to say this because i'm a ut fan they didn't use mcdonald's bags with a bunch of money because that was against the rules two three years ago now it's yeah. i mean if a business if mcdonald's wants to give money to a player in a mcdonald's bag they're illegal yeah. it's legal to do so and I, but i also and i will say this i don't think saban's intent was to ever accuse Cheating or accuse like backdoor deals. I agree. He never explicitly said like they broke the rules. He was simply saying this is how they recruited their players. Right. And it's it's okay. It's legal now. I'm good. I can say it because you know, like I, I feel like there's this there's you know because Jimbo comes back with his response like oh like I know where the skeletons are buried. Right. All of those things. You know, coaches, especially the big name coaches over the entire country, they all have those types of stories. But I think there's just this, like, understanding, like, I'm not going to, because I'm doing it probably behind closed doors, I'm not going to call you out on it because then it, it, it blows up in my face as well. Uh, and so I don't think, you know, Saban's going, you know, this is legal now, so it's okay to talk about they paid their players to get a great recruiting class. Whereas, like, several years ago, if Saban was allegedly paying players, nobody would say it because they're probably attempting to do Exactly. Yeah. So, and there is views that one of the things Saban is speaking. It's going. They're kind of. This is all views. This is all kind of. Uh, kind of seeing the kind of behind the scenes. Like what is what is Saban really scared of? And some are saying that Saban, being so good at what he does, he has been the 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 high mark and the standard of college football coaches for the last twenty years. The view is that he he has benefited and he has been very successful in the old old game, which yeah. is he was able to recruit players. He was, I mean, the view is this is kind of the common view is that all the great teams pay players. They just do a good job of creating distance between coaches yeah. uh, and boosters and the players. And it was kind of like. Uh, don't see, don't tell, like this is, and, every, and then, so since the coaching world is so interconnected, yeah. and everyone is somewhat cheating, nobody wants to speak up and say, well, they're a bigger cheater than we are. Uh, no, you never want the NCAA looking into your program whatsoever, and so it seems like some are viewing this as Saban is seeing that now that it's an open, it's an open market, yeah. that there is no kind of back 
room deals that that work anymore. Everything's in the is out in the open. And so is Alabama and Saban kind of old or dinosaurs in this new world? Yeah. Um, and so he he says this as as some of you see this as maybe him afraid of the of the future. But as you stated, he said that about even style of play. And look what he did. He adopted and was he's still been successful. So the view is that Saban will adapt and be able to be successful just like he hasn't been in the past. But I want to read what <laughs> Jimbo says. He calls this 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 press conference the next day, I think it was what it was, because that was Wednesday night. Saban had the it was at the leaders meeting in Birmingham. The next day, <laughs> Jimbo calls this this press conference, and it seemed like he's had the speech written for a long time, oh, yeah. and he needed an opportunity to to speak it, and he's been practicing it a day after day uh, in the mirror. So um, I'm not gonna read all of it, but he basically says, "No, never bought anybody. No rules were broken." He calls Saban a narcissist. Uh, he says, some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his deal. You may find out a lot of things you don't want to know. We build him up to be the czar. Him is obviously Nick Saban. To be the czar of football, go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him, and you can find out, which that's talking about him too, Jimbo Fisher. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it, and it's despicable. What he says, I'm bunch. Despicable yeah. constantly. And I also like the way he says kids. It's yeah. almost like not with a K-I-D-S. It's like kids with a long E. Well, they, these, are, <laughs> these are two West Virginia guys. Oh, I forgot that yeah, Jimbo so is from. They're both West Virginia, so kind of like Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> a little, uh, what is that, Hatchfield McCoy and then the West Virginia? Yeah. Um, so so it, it, it seemed like Fisher took this like, which, again, like you said, Saban's not saying he cheated. Yeah. Nowhere in there does he say he cheated. But it seemed like Fisher really just – it almost like this idea that Saban was devaluing yeah. A&M's program and devaluing the boosters, devaluing the players that are on the team, the coaches. And I think that's where Fisher probably got really angry. Yeah. It was he sees you're devaluing our program and saying, you know, you had to go to this level – to be the number one recruiting class, we don't even have to. We didn't. Have, we don't have to do that. Why do you have to do that? And I just he went. He got very angry. He did. I, but I think you're right. I, I think uh, Fisher took it as a Saban was saying, well, like, why in the world would anybody want to play at Texas A&M mm-hmm. if they weren't paying right bookers of money for their players? Like, um, however, I would I would pose to you. Do you think there's any validity behind that to what Saban said? Well, you know, I think Saban has said, you know, his his biggest issue is not even with, with NIL. It's the collective using it to basically uh, to woo high school kids. Yeah. He he has no problem with, with players who are on programs who then basically earn oh, yeah. I mean, that value. Bryce yeah. Young making a million dollars at Alabama. Like, hey, this guy was on our team because of his success on mm-hmm. the field, like he's made money. He's made money. But it was it was after it was after commitment. And that's what Saban I think ideally wants. Yeah. He wants players to be recruited to programs based off, you know, prior success of the program, its coaches, what it can offer to students academically, um, what it can do for students post time on uh, playing there when it comes to maturity as an adult whatever whatever but again i think saban is kind of he is an old guard now and he's holding on to a world that is in in some sense going away yeah. where players high school kids realize that they have a 
extreme value to these college programs. And so they can say, hey, Ole Miss is willing to offer me $100,000. What are you willing to offer me? And, like, like that's where the world – and I think Saban sees that as yeah. very problematic because he sees issues in the locker room, and I get that. And there is an unknown future. Like, how is this going to affect team chemistry and, and these type of things? And Saban doesn't like the idea that he has to go pay uh, some kid from Texas uh, a million – to promise him a million dollars, and he's never even played it down yet. Yeah. And, you know, I think Saban, like you said, cut from the same – cloth as like a Bill Belichick like they they build their programs on you know listening to the coach and the coach is the final authority and and I think that this you know when you get players who are coming in being paid at 18 years old sometimes more than a lot of the assistant coaches on the team yeah I think he looks at it and goes well this is you know contrary to the way that I lead a program Mm -hmm. because um, you know, we're all about discipline and those types of things. Like, it's going to be really tough to discipline and speak like that hard truth to a young person when he's making more money than the position coach in which is screaming at <laughs> him. Like, it's like the NFL is the same way. And, you know, how Bill Belichick has done it for so long, I have no idea. But, like, usually those guys push back against, like, the screaming coach, the mean coach, because they're, they're going like, why? Like I'm being paid like mm. more than you mm. by a significant amount. Um, don't yell at me. Like that's it, not that that big. So I, I think like yes, he is the old guard, and he's a little bit afraid that the program in which he's built, like let's call it a dynasty, on the way that he's done it is being um, kind of attacked by you know young teenagers coming in making more than some of the position coaches that they're supposed to be listening to and learning from, and he sees that as problematic. And he even uses uh, he used the term in his kind of talking about this and talking about, you know, uh, that his players, his 25 players on last year's SEC championship winning team brought in more than $3 million. But Saban clarifies his players got paid the right way. Right. And he sees A&M as the wrong way. Right. And I think that's the, the conflict going on. And, and he hates that he's, you know, which is interesting about this is that um, I have it actually right here. Crimson, Alabama, have had, Alabama have, has had the top class in nine of the last 11 years. Yeah. But last year they were second. Yeah. Um, in twenty twenty two. In twenty twenty two, and so he, you know, he sees what A and M's done and said that's the wrong way. And now look at us, we're doing it the right way, and now we're at a disadvantage. And hence why he said recently that he wishes that parity would come back, which came off as not very credible since he's been the top of the do- top dog for a long time. Yeah, but I, you know, I think like I, I pulled up the recruiting classes just because I was curious. Twenty eighteen Georgia had the highest rated record previous year was 13 and 2 19 Alabama 14 and 1 Georgia 2020 uh, 12 and 2 21 Alabama was 13 and 0 that great team and then 2022 Texas A&M previous season record 8 and 4 yeah <laughs> you know 4 and 4 in the SEC and uh, and I think Saban looks at those numbers and he goes oh that math is not adding up right like Whereas the only thing that has changed is the NIL. Right. That is the only thing that has changed from the last however many years where the top programs, recruiting-wise, were usually uh, a pretty dominant team the season before that. And these young people looked at it and said, hey, like, of course I want to go to that team and win and learn, uh, have the best chance of moving to the next level. 
you know, at, at those high elite programs that are winning and on the national stage. And he sees now, 2022, NILs introduced an 8-4, and 4-4 four, four and four in division Texas A&M team has the top-ranked recruiting class, and he's going, that doesn't add up. That doesn't add up. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't add up. Uh, let me give you a little bit more resource uh, information about collective. That's, that's the big term, yeah. uh, these different – Big-time universities now have developed these collectives, um, and they're controversial. Um, it's a development in college sports because of how easily they flout, flout very, what few rules the NCAA has in place to regulate the new compensation rules. The NCAA is still operating under an interim policy after an unfavorable ruling from the Supreme Court warned that a national standard could yield antitrust violations. Uh, the policy has three pillars. Deals cannot serve as an inducement to attend universities. Uh-oh. Uh, boosters cannot contact recruits, and there must be some sort of quad, quote, pro quo to prevent deals from becoming the mechanism for pay for play. Yeah. And, again, I, I think uh, in language like this, it, it it's, it's one of the issues with college sports in, in general is, and with money because this has always been a big deal, and we're going to get more into this a little bit and why this is a big issue uh, just nationally is money, college sports and money. Uh, there's a lot of money. Um, a lot of people are making money. There's a lot of money that's not being made by the players. And so at all of these universities, since this all began, have always been trying to find gray areas to get better players to their, to their schools. Hence why the NIL is automatically becoming pay-for-play. I mean, it's almost by – and there's no way of, of really even um, legislating it because, again, like you basically open the door for players to make money off their name, image, and likeness. And so if they say, okay, we want you to come here, we like your name, we like your, 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 your image, we want you to play quarterback here, we're going to pay you money through our collective, and I don't really know where the NCAA is going to be able to say that's wrong. Yeah, I don't know. And, and if I'm remembering correctly, the whole the legislation from the federal came down because it, it started to, like the state of Florida passed the, the law first that they could now start paying players. And then everyone's like, well, of course the state of Florida is going to get all of the players in right. the country. Right. They, and so the, the federal government had to do something because each state was about to pass different laws, you know, regarding if their universities could pay their players or not. Uh, and so I think they thought they were bringing kind of like an equal playing field, but what happened was now you have, you know, you've you've talked about it before. You have some states, obviously, that are much more wealthy right. and alumni from particular schools that are much more wealthy than you know the rest, and A mm-hmm. and M being one of those. Yeah, um, a lot of the oil money yeah. in Texas. Yeah, and so they're obviously like, you know, years down the road, like they're. The smaller schools, the smaller states, like they're not going to be able to compete with those types of universities paying. Um, so I have no idea, kind of what you're saying. I have no idea what the answer is. Yeah. But if their goal was to bring, uh, you know, an equal playing field, I think they've they've missed because where, you know, uh, it was about like the top ranked programs are getting the the uh, the best players. Now it's going to be just the the most wealthy programs are going to get the top of Yeah, and I think what's happening is it's not necessarily that high school recruits are actually receiving money through these collectives. They're receiving promises oh, of money. Um, and and so what's happened in the kind of 10 months since that Supreme Court decision, uh, the NCAA has done little to enforce whatever rules they have because they could, they could enforce a rule and a, and a school 
could then sue yeah. <laughs> the NCAA again, and they already know that they're going to lose the case, and so they really have no power and no, no, no enforcing power. So then we've seen these collectives being kind of sprung up. We have um, – and been, a lot of these collectives have gotten really uh, creative in connecting them to business uh, majors and other marketing majors. So within the SEC, there's 11 of the 14 schools. Vanderbilt probably doesn't have one because they stink. Uh, have collectives. You have the fund at A&M and then high tide traditions at Alabama. Um, they're independent from the universities, and they cannot offer a deal to a high school recruit, um, but the university or the coaches who are recruiting a player can say, hey, we have this collective that you potentially can make up to whatever, whatever. Um, And so I think you see, and this is from a professor at the University of Florida's law school, um, who was a part? Who actually helped find the Gator Guard Collective? This is the Florida's uh, collective. NIL has become one, if not the most important element on the recruiting trail. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And so that's what Saban sees this, yeah. and I and he definitely sees that the high tide tradition doesn't have the collective booster dollars that say at Texas A&M yeah. will have. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean the guy from Florida was right. I mean, just look at an eight and four previous year Texas A&M team in the fifth year of their coach getting the top recruiting class like it's obviously the most important thing in the in the trial but like yeah I don't I don't I just don't know I think it leads a slippery slope because there's in my opinion there's not much difference between handing a young person money and then handing him the promise of money right um because you, you don't even have to back up promises. Yeah, but like, how do you regulate? Right, I, you, just you, nothing. You can't you regulate words um, to recruits like that. And um, so, I want to talk a little yeah. bit about just the. Uh, there's a new another article. Uh, it was this was one on Saturday's paper by Jason Gay. Uh, the comedy of college fo- football's chaos uh, is the title of the article, yeah. and it, I really want to talk because just what this really leads down to. I mean, morally. There's nothing morally wrong with a college high school recruit trying to, through the market, make money, profit off his name, image, like there's nothing morally wrong with that. And I think what you are seeing a sense of uh, hypocrisy with, I would even say like coaches like Saban and Fisher and all these coaches and all the people who are just concerned about college sports. It's like these people who are concerned are the ones who have benefited and profited off of just the money cow yeah. that college football especially uh, has been. Um, I mean, you th- you're an Alabama fan. The money that goes into that program, oh, you're talking about. How much, how, much, oh how much money? Uh, there's a EWCHCCFB, which stands for Extremely Well Compensated Head Coaches of College <laughs> Football. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I think it was like what? You're probably too young to remember this. I remember when uh, Philip Fulmer and Bobby Bowden, this was like late 90s, early 2000s, they made, I don't know, $2 million? They were high end. It was a high. How much is Saban making now? Is it right under 10 I thought it was around 9 yeah. Right. I mean, they're making, I mean, Sean Payton, you're a big Saints fan. Sean Payton was making how much? 10 plus? Oh, yeah. He's but like, he's like one of the best NFL coaches. Yeah. Super Bowl winner. NFL. Yeah. College. Coaches were making not that. That's why some coaches aren't wanting to jump the NFL from college. It's like I make just as much money in college. Yeah, right. So there's so much money. Um, 
the, these training centers that are, let's say, SEC schools or cathedrals. Well, even like the facilities. Like, look, yeah. at, look at Alabama's like locker room and, um, you know, uh, their cafeteria that's specifically for their football players. Barber <laughs> shops. Barber shops where they're getting gourmet meals and uh, all you can eat. Like, yeah, like there's a lot of money that goes into these programs, even just beyond the paid staff. Like the facilities alone are just some of the nicest buildings you ever walk. Now this isn't a, this isn't like all college f- uh, programs. There's some that actually lose money because yeah. they don't can't afford these type of things. But SEC schools have no problems. They have plenty of money. Uh, they have palaces they're able to build for student athletes. Yeah. Billion dollar TV deals that ESPN and and um, uh, Fox and are just giving out billion dollar contracts to college uh, products. Um, and so you do have a major market economy for college football. Um, and you can't really separate just the amount of money that's being made and being dished out um, in college sports. Yeah. I, but I do think it's fair to note, too, like that money is made off of the players. Off the players. In my opinion. Yeah. Humbly. <laughs> And so there is a kind of uh, kind of a, a grab game going on of, of this massive pool of, of money, and so that's why you see these kind of collectives um, kind of you know coming up and, and these when University of Tennessee has a collective, um, and so they, they haven't actually connected it to this particular recruit, but uh, I think it's pretty much understood. I mean, um, Lane Kiffin has mentioned this, um, and others has mentioned these. An article in the Atlantic that a player. Uh, an incoming recruit in the next recruiting class uh, it said that he could have could have could have been promised an eight million dollar NIL deal that 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 person has been connected to a quarterback recruit out of California who is committed to the University of Tennessee um, and and so this has kind of been hinted at um, and so I mean my school is just as much involved in this as much as, as anyone there's pay for play or promises made to recruits across the board um, because you know this is the new game this is what players are in some ways demanding it's like if you want me to come to your school what are you going to promise me money wise right because 10 other schools have promised me this right um, and we don't really, and the, the we're not, you know, we're not going to get into, you know, what that's going to lead to when it comes to uh, college sports and college football and, and the kind of the landscape. But I think just as we think about it, you know, uh, I don't. I used to do college ministry a lot. Derek, you've done college ministry. You do youth ministry um, primarily now, and these are all young. These are so young. People, yeah. we're talking seventeen, eighteen-year-olds getting promised lots of money, yeah. uh, and we can kind of forget the soul uh, in these typical measures. And even like, I would even say, even some of these coaches, um, you know, we, like we mentioned, a lot of even assistant coaches are making a ton of money. Or we're talking about coordinators are now all making in the millions now. Coordinators are making millions. Uh, uh, position coaches are making. Uh, half of million or even more depending on their kind of experience and how good they've been and so there's a ton of money um loyalties have kind of gone out the window what can you do for me uh how much can you pay me that is like not good for the soul and and so again we don't want to just talk about issues like this and say oh that was interesting cool let's move on uh how does that affect real people 
uh, in a world that God had created, God has created, um, and he created everyone in his image and he created them to glorify him. Even athletes. I love the, I love the kind of, uh, the thought process is that great athletes. I know like Derek Henry is probably like the most like freakish athlete <laughs> out there. And he, I know he's a former Alabama player, yeah. but that is like to watch someone like that play football and do his massive stiff arm. Oh, like yeah. that is a cool thing. That's on, in a lot of ways, God glorifying because God created that. Right. Yeah. And it's awesome. And I think that is as appropriate and good. And I think there is something to the point of, of amateurism, the innocency of sports and college kind of had that going for it for a while, even though maybe it was complete a veil over what was going on behind it. We had this sense of ignorance is bliss. Now that ignorance is gone and it's now open. And now college football, especially, which is very beloved to me is in some way becoming a minor league system. And this money and the effect of money um, on the soul. And I, and I wanted to, you know, um, Derek is a guest to this. this is, he's not running the ship on this. But I definitely want to get your thoughts yeah. on Because, again, you, you ministered to, to, to high school kids, and you have some history with college students as well. Uh, you know, Jesus talks about, like, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart is. We don't, And, he, and, he, and he, he says, like, don't be lovers of money. Right. You can't serve two masters. Either you'll love the one and hate the other. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve money and God. And then, you know, Jesus says in Mark chapter 8, what profits a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his soul and he commands and calls us to f- take up our cross and follow him. That's the path to the good life is following Christ and taking up our cross not to profit off the world and, and get whatever we can get before we die. That is an issue with kids and what the models and the inspirations that they have. So what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's, uh, I think you see it um, not just in teenagers. I'll say that. I think it's a, it's a cultural thing. It is, yeah. Um, greed is Especially a, an American yes. thing. Yeah. Um, however, uh, I do believe it to be very enticing to young people, especially the, like athletes that, um, you know, they're already good at football. Like, why not go ahead and get paid while I'm doing mm-hmm. it? Like, of course they're gonna. That's gonna be enticing to them. Um, you know, I, my brain initially goes back to the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, Solomon, this this incredibly wealthy person, who's you know tells this story about him throwing these incredible parties and building these elaborate buildings and kingdoms and art all for himself, and yet he finds that they're vanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he says, like, it is only you know God that produces the lastingness and, and um, Solomon was looking for meaning and purpose um, in all of the wrong places uh, and he'd come to reason to himself that it's, it's chasing vapor it's mm. running after vapor it's impossible to grab outside of of, of God and um, I, my heart goes to that because you know I don't I don't see enough <laughs> You know, bless them. I don't see enough wisdom in these young people, and I fear for you know that they will arrive at much more difficult conclusions. Um, you know, and, and then my heart breaks for that. Like I, I don't want them to chase money, and I don't want them to run to uh, the easy decision because you know we've talked about it before. Like that's oftentimes the path that leads to destruction. Like it is a the the path that leads to joy is oftentimes a hard road and it's it is, a difficult yeah. road. Um, and I'm afraid for a generation that will seek the wrong things, and I'm fearful that it would be too late by the time. Like, I mean, Solomon was near the end of his life when he realized this. Right. And he's writing to his son saying, like, I don't want you to do these things. Right. Uh, please listen to me. Please listen to the wisdom that I'm giving you. 
Um, and I don't want this generation to, to have that story written after themselves. Uh, themselves. And, you know, I'm fearful that it is the case. And, and as, you know, adults and parents and teachers and coaches, like, as they've become more and more, you know, greedy and looking for just the money and the comfortability of life, um, like, their kids notice. You know, yeah. Their kids take notice. And uh, it's a slippery slope, and I'm fearful for a generation that will grow up kind of running to and looking for meaning and looking for significance in the wrong places. Mm. And I think, you know, uh, I don't know if you, if you've watched a lot of 30 for 30 podcast, uh, 30 for 30, um, uh, documentaries that ESPN put out, but they had one called broke where a lot of players, NFL, MLB, NBA, a lot of them end up broke. Yeah. Um, because they just don't know how to manage their money. They squander it. They squander And here's here's the issue. That, that's We're talking about, like, not college students. We're talking about, like, professionals. Yeah. And I think you could say, well, the, the college collective and the business department or whatever, they can offer these financial stewardship, you know, or management programs. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but it's still, even with ma- money management, money is still kind of a, an end. Yeah in that world it's not a means to an end and 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 i i fear that well, number one the work the college universities in the world are not they're not well tasked to shepherd hearts sure. yeah. <laughs> and so um and so you're you're putting something out there like money and you're just saying you know you know take it if you can get it without any shepherding and it's going to lead to obviously it's going to lead to destruction it's yeah. going to lead to um uh, money is a horrible master sure. and and as that documentary proved and as this will probably prove in the coming years is that there'll be litters there'll be bodies and bodies and bodies that, that who saw this as a i'm gonna try to get as much as i can um and 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 just kind of go after that with kind of a reckless abandonment and then not um and then just being completely like uh, empty yeah. after all of this. Yeah. Um, once There's their image and their coming, yeah, you will not be playing right. <laughs> your name, image, and likeness will have no value yeah. to whomever uh, used to think you had value. Right. And that, that is true for the best players and for the middle of the road players. Yeah. That they all find out pretty hard that their value has a has a has a ceiling. Yeah. And, you know, so, I, you know, I definitely want to just as a caution, as we talk about and as, as, as fans of college football, I mean, again, I'm a fan of the sport um, and I want to I already want to go out and buy a Hernan Hooker T-shirt for my sons. Right. And uh, and because I, I, I love the sport, uh, I love college. I like this. I like the, uh, the traditions, the bands, everything about it, the fight songs, the colors, the, everything about sports. I love Alabama in a sense that it's in the SEC and it's college football. Yeah. Even though I hate them, I love them. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And, uh, and I, and I you, as sports fans, we can almost just kind of distance ourselves from the, the players and the yeah. people that are involved and that they're just basically actors on a stage. Right. They're real people. And this is going to affect people in negative ways. And I think maybe as Christians, we can think through, like, money is a horrible master, and the world is not tasked to shepherd the hearts of college students, regardless if they are the most world, world-renowned athletes. They just will not be able to shepherd their hearts. And the church 
through God's word can shepherd. And so just pray that that Bryce Young or uh, Hernan Hooker, whomever these these athletes are, either they're coming in recruits or they're already on a team and they're getting some money, that they find a church and a pastor who will shepherd their souls and that they would see that money is a horrible master, but it is a great tool to glorify God and to help and benefit and equip and to edify people. And I pray that, that, that God would lead them to that. Yeah, for sure. And I think that is really kind of where we want to come down on this. And don't be just kind of that you know, get off my lawn guy who's like, oh, college specials will never be the same. And I think seeing this is a, a more maybe as a way that, uh, you know, how can the how can the church and different towns like Tuscaloosa, uh, Knoxville and onward can maybe come around these players and, and maybe these chaplains that are in these programs can really shepherd hearts of people. So thanks, uh, Derek, for joining and talking yeah. about something that I know we both kind of care about and enjoy and banter about. And, uh, and hopefully that you, if you enjoy sports and are interested, and even if you're not interested, but you think this is kind of an interesting thing, what is about this NIL thing? This is what is going on. We wanted to make provide some info on that and just really point that to God's word. And again, read the newspaper with, um, uh, kind of the Bible in our hands. So there he has one more thing he wants to say. Um, do you think this is the end of the Saban Fisher dilemma or SEC Media Day? Is it? The oh, it, they're gonna be. Oh, I think. I mean, they're they're pros. But my thing with Saban is, is like he pretty much can say whatever he wants. Yeah. I mean, he's earned it. Yeah. Um, hey, also, shout out to him for getting like the last jab. Yeah. With the the quarterback recruit that decommitted. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. It's a good, it's that's good right. He decommitted, and then because uh, the thought is that I'm, I'm gonna guess. Uh, Arch Manning is probably going to go to Texas or Georgia. Who cares, anyways? Um, but um, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if it has any to do with thing. I don't know if it has to do with NIL. It has more to do with, I mean, Saban's not a young man. And, and as Roy Williams and Coach K, their retirement, I think, has somewhat to do with this NIL thing. Yeah. Um, and, um, and you have guys that have, I mean, these guys are. National, multiple national championships. I mean, uh, go down in history as greatest of all time. Do you think they really want to go to an 18 year old and, and promise them money? <laughs> no. no. No way. No, no, I just absolutely. don't see like, Saban wanting to be in that world that often. Um, but hey, who knows? Yeah, I, I don't know. I do think it's a. It's a. Um, it seems like, and that's why I'm hoping that the hypels of the world, like that, he's he's to go to UT, being younger. And he said a lot of. I think this is this is maybe in in, in Saban's. Um, this this hurts Saban a little bit. Heupel, especially, kind of going to Tennessee, has talked highly of NIL. I think it's great for players. Uh, they should be able to get what they they can get. Blah 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 blah. I think there's a little bit of a, a strategy to that that statement, and then players go, oh, I mean, they're high on NIL. That means they want to get me as much money as I can get. But Saban being anti. Yeah. It goes against him a little bit. And so I don't know how, how much that will affect Alabama in the yeah. coming years. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, we didn't really get into this, but you, you kind of mentioned Alabama isn't home to Walmart or Nike or yeah. oil money or the, the many different businesses in Tennessee especially. So I don't know how that will affect yeah. Alabama. I don't know either. Uh, I, I just know I will be tuned in SEC Media Day or week, whatever, July 19th. With my popcorn. If I'm Saban though, or I'm, you let it go. If I'm Saban though, I, I would go. Yeah, okay, all right. He can get you money now, but 
NFL give you a lot more money. And we got a lot more players in the NFL than Nick Sandham does. Yeah, I mean, no you offense. Will always, you will always have that pocket. In, yeah. in his pocket. Like, we, I mean, success produces, you know, next level talent. And yeah. And we've put more in the NFL than any other program in, in the country. So. Don't 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 grab what's there now. Look for what's in the future. <laughs> yeah, and I you know there's the other conversations. You know, again, if you're into in, into college football, these are great conversations to chit chat about because again, we're in silly season. Yeah. But how does it affect college sports? Does the SEC break away? And all these different conversations. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I, I know people have said, well, you know, Pac-12, USC, Oregon. I understand what they're saying with L.A. money and stuff, but here's the deal. Those programs do not care about college football the way that the SEC does. And to say that a bunch of businesses are going to throw out millions upon millions of dollars for a USC running back is different than throwing money out for, like, a point guard for the Lakers or, like, the center fielder for the Dodgers. It's vastly different. Um, These small towns, South Bend, Tuscaloosa, Knoxville, those are like the, the if you look at the TV ratings, the number one watched college football game last year was like Tennessee, Alabama. Yeah. Because those states love college football, right. not California. Yeah. And so I, I don't know how that'll affect college football going forward because all the, it seems like some of those big programs, Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame, um, some of those SEC programs, it, it seems like at some point they're going to be sick and tired of the NCAA and they're just going to break off and create their own rules and in some, in some way have an own, their own commissioner and having a, kind of a minor minor league NFL. Yeah. I think that, that idea then floated. I, I mean, I think, number one, also it would create a better playoff system that will be more fair. And I think that's where the, and that's where the money will go. I think that there will be – ESPN will give out tons of money – to create a, a, a system where you have the best program with the best players. Every game is going to be is going to matter. Uh, every game is going to be competitive. And then the playoff is going to be competitive. And then you're going to get an NFL style. And then who doesn't want that? Yeah. You just hope that your school is a part of that group. You just hope your, your school is a part of that group. For sure. Which I think our schools would definitely be a part of that group. But it, the ones that are concerning are like your Nebraska's of the world, your UCLA's of the world. These schools that are like, they don't really have the money. They don't really have um, the the. They just don't have that connection. They don't have the national brands as much. Will they get left out of these things? Who gets yeah. left out? Yeah, I don't so. know. I don't know. I'm all for Vanderbilt getting left out. <laughs> I don't say one negative thing about Auburn, and that's the second thing you've said about Vanderbilt. Oh, man, I have constantly like I say bad things about Vanderbilt because they just don't care. So, anyways, thanks so much for, for playing around with this. This is awesome, and uh, maybe uh, we can find something else uh, uh, to talk about down the road. Um, but uh, thanks for listening. This has been uh, Two Pastors in His Newspaper, and I uh, hope you have a wonderful, uh, wonderful week, and I will see you back next week. Keep reading the newspaper with the Bible in your hand.